to another episode of Block Talk presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She's been dancing on the stages of New York and has now brought her talents to the digital age. Say cheer to the neighborhood crossdresser, Anita D. How are you? Hi. You know, just being your friendly neighborhood crossdresser. I love, I love that. Stealing dollars, honey. Stealing- we, you know what? In this day and age, we got to get the money where we can get it. Yeah, whether it's on 178 and Broadway or on 52nd and 9th. <laughs> exactly, exactly. How are you? How's, how's life been? Uh, life has been crazy, uh, to say the least. Um, but, you know, with obviously, I think it's kind of the same for everyone. It's just been an unexpected year of 2020, yeah. uh, especially with this pandemic. But I think um, for me specifically, my drag and myself, it's been a lot of ups and downs. But there have mm-hmm. been a lot of like hidden blessings that have come from this year. Absolutely. Um, besides the obvious of what this pandemic has really done for nightlife entertainers and me, myself and like my mentality and yeah absolutely being with my roommate every day if jim silvestri is the like the the keeper of everything and tells the truth i mean you've had a great year Uh, (laughs) oh my god yes i thought i'd see less um yeah you know the year honestly has been great for my drag i would say i think um this was a year this past year was a year of success in a lot of different departments um and surprisingly enough it's because the pandemic forced me to think outside the box absolutely to have the time to explore different projects that I wanted to before but I was too busy physically going to venues and bars and gigs that like my excuse was always like I don't have the time or I'm tired or I need to rest and (laughs) corona was like bitch you home you home (laughs) all day you ain't got nothing else to do but like figure out how to make these projects happen so a lot of things um came to fruition this year which I'm thankful for Um, absolutely and you know ironically enough it's because COVID put us in put me in a place where I had a lot more time available and uh you know it forced me to really kind of adapt to the time so I am proud of myself and happy about how 2021 in that department but I think the double-edged sword or like kind of the payoff from that was I need to excelled I mean, Anita excelled, but uh, Zachary, who's my, that's my biological name, um, took a hit in other departments Absolutely. from the pandemic, you know? So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk about you and drag and everything. And I think the best place to start is from the beginning. Where are you from? Oh my God. Okay. So I am from Westchester County and it's funny because every time I say that people are like, Oh, Westchester, like you got money. And I'm like, no, I'm, I broke. <laughs> um, but I'm from originally born in White Plains, mm-hmm. uh, raised in Yonkers. So that's my hometown. And then I moved to the city in 2008 when I went to Pace University. So I've been in the city for over 10 years now. So I'm officially a New York city resident. Boo-boo. Yes. But I've always, I've always lived in New York. So yeah, what 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 were you like as a child living in New York and close to the city? 
Um, okay, so pre-closet, coming out the closet, <laughs> I definitely, which I think we've kind of, most of us that have been through that experience, I had like the super baggy clothes, try to talk deep talk, very, I was nerdy always and awkward. I only mm-hmm. had like maybe two to three friends at, at most, what, all through middle school and like the beginning of high school and the same in elementary school. Um, and then once coming out and really coming into my own and, and uh, accepting who I am and really enjoying the arts, um, especially when I took like musical theater and did some plays in middle school, then I became more confident and then I was more of like an uh, extrovert, meeting people, social, friendly. I joined a bunch of clubs, but oh. Hello. Sorry. I'm here. You're good. Someone's called me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> other, but before coming out was definitely like to myself, nerdy video games, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, Pokemon. Uh-huh. Like I was the one that went to GameStop in Cross County and like played the game for an hour and then went home and talked to one friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, would, so you, would you go to GameStop and, and try to beat the game every time you'd go in? So you'd do it. In- I absolutely. I would do that. Or like, <laughs> I remember one time growing up, I went to the GameStop. Cross County is like one of the main shopping centers in Yonkers. Mm-hmm. I went to GameStop there and they had a Yu-Gi-Oh contest. And I was so happy about my deck. I was like, oh, I'm going to whip some ass. <laughs> like, and I sat down and played this kid and he beat me in two turns. And I was just like, okay, we're going to go home. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, my brother was bigger on Yu-Gi-Oh than I was, but we definitely had the Yu-Gi-Oh cards in the house. Um, I actually went through them uh, a couple months ago when we were, we were trying to clean out the house. And I was like, I don't even know or remember any of this. I say so thousands I have, I still, of them. Right. I still have my like binder that has like <laughs> half of it has my Yu-Gi-Oh cards and the other half has like my Pokemon cards. Yeah. And I mean, this is how, like nerdy I used to be. Like I would do like when McDonald's had a promotional event where you got like a holographic Mew card or if you went to see the movie, <laughs> you got like I went to everything that yeah. offered any of the cards that I needed because I was just, because I had like, I already had two friends and we all were nerds. <laughs> you know what I mean? We were all like the people that weren't popular. We didn't have a lot of friends. It was just us. And all we did was like video games and stuff. And that was kind of like our escape from like the reality of, of uh, middle school and high school, yeah. you know, of, like people and how, how mean they can be, you know? Absolutely. Well, you mentioned performance a little bit. You did some theater. Um, how did, how did you get involved in, in that? So in middle school, I was still in the closet and I, you know, like I said, being the nerd, I also was very academically talented. So I was in programs that were, you know, high in academics, if you scored high, whatever. But being that as well and knowing that I was gay, because I I told my mom I was gay when I was eight, which a lot of people are like, and I'm like, yeah, I was I was that Mm -hmm. extra fabulous unicorn. But I only told her. So all until I was 14, no one knew. So um, in middle school, they had choir and they had like um, plays that they would do. And so my music professor at the time, it was like, oh, we're doing this play. If anyone wants to sign up, you can. And for me, it was kind of like that escape um, where for like an hour to two after school, I was with other people that enjoyed performing. I could be as expressive as I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't judged and I wasn't teased and I wasn't laughed at. So that's what got me into it. Um, and I always loved dancing and performing in front of people, but middle school for me was really rough, a lot rougher than high school. I think my opinion is kids in middle school really have no filter. Right. Whereas like high school, like they know if they're doing like, 
in high school, I feel like, you know, you're doing something wrong. Like, you know, you're bullying someone, you know, like you're being rude, but like in middle school, a lot of them don't know. They just kind of follow behaviors from family sure. and friends and they just want to be cool. So middle school is really tough for me. So that offered the escape. Um, and that's where I kind of found my passion for performing in front of people and, and just putting on characters and portraying different people. And my mom always joked, she was like, you didn't have no rhythm until you started doing these plays in middle school. Cause <laughs> the first place she saw me and she sat with her, her boyfriend at the time and she was watching me and she's like, she's like, where, where does Zachary get this rhythm from? <laughs> That's funny. From, from here. So did you do um, training in dance? I did. In, in college though. Mm -hmm. So my kind of experience with dance is middle school, I did musical theater. I went to high school, I didn't do any of that. I just went to, I did business in high school, but during the time that's when I came out and I got into the ballroom scene. Okay. Uh, so I used to go to the city, to the pier a lot and I learned how to Vogue from there. And then I joined the house. So originally the first thing I did was learn how to Vogue. That mm -hmm. was like my first kind of training, which is still underground because there's no at the time, there was no like professional professional right. school for it. So I did that. And then in college, I went to Pace for business. And, and at Pace, I was like, you know what? Since I'm here, I'm doing business. I still want to continue the artistic, my artistic expression. So let me actually train in dancing. And so then I minored in dance at Pace. They didn't have a major program. So I did like ballet, contemporary, modern, jazz, mm -hmm. um, and then incorporate that with my voguing. So that's like my, I'm not like one of those kids that was like, at eight, I was wearing <laughs> points and yeah no that's not me <laughs> okay so you're at pace you're in you're in the city did you go out and experience nightlife when when did you start your exploration into drag um oh wow i in at pace i did start going out uh the first one of the first places i started going out to which like i was there religiously was twink tuesdays at splash mm -hmm. <laughs> Because because you could if for Twink Tuesday it was eighteen and over so right. so there it was easy you know I was I was eighteen at the time I was able to go I'd go with my friends that was like kind of my first real like kind of consistent experience of uh, nightlife mm -hmm. um, before that I did start making connections just from backup dancing for people or performing that like some clubs I did get into but I never had a fake ID so okay. I was not I feel like I'm a goody two shoe this is gross. <laughs> um, I never had a fake ID. So unless like someone got me into a club, I didn't go to clubs, you know, like I didn't, I didn't stress about it. I didn't like try to get into all these different spots. So I went, if they were 18 or over, or if a friend of mine worked there was a manager and I would go and then they'd be like, you can't drink. And I'm like, well, that's boring. Anyways. <laughs> um, but I didn't really get into drag until after college, I joined here in New York cause you have to be 21 and over. Um, and then I think after my first year, uh, this queen truly fabu was competing at Miss Gay America, which is a national drag pageant. Mm -hmm. And so she asked for some of two New York members to be backup dancers. And from there on, it was like every year we would, we would compete with her either in a prelim or a national. And that was like my first exposure to really seeing like drag pageant, yeah. seeing what goes into the work of it. Uh, Hibiscus was also in the group with me. Mm -hmm. And this was before we both did drag. Um, so that was a lot. That was like my first full like, and we were away in like St. Louis for a week for the national competition because it's like four to five days. Right. So I'm seeing 60 drag queens, like 30,000 pounds of glitter, hairspray everywhere. Each queen has like five backup dancers. 
you know, they have a stylist, they have a makeup artist. They, so it was, it was um, amazing experience. Yeah. But that's how I got into drag. And then in New York City, I worked at Senior Frogs and I backup danced for Brandon Voss's Drag Brunch because that's when right. he debuted at Senior Frogs. And I was already an employee there. So Jada Valenciaga was doing Beyonce and I love Beyonce. And me and my other coworker, River, uh, when she was performing, we were dancing in the back, like behind uh, the table, doing the same performance. And I think one day she's like, do y'all just want to backup dance for me? Cause y'all know the moves. And we're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> So then from there, we just, we started backup dancing. And then, yeah, slowly and surely, I just became more and more of a cross-dresser. <laughs> so let, let's t- dive in and learn what is the origin story of your drag name? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so um, a, when Hibiscus had told me there was a competition at Rise Bar, and the theme was like each month they had a competition after a diva and it was Beyonce. Mm-hmm. And Hibiscus was like, I don't do Beyonce, I do Britney, you can do Beyonce. So for a month before the competition, we that's when I started to get everything together for drag and, and Dora Tate became my drag mom and we talked about makeup and costumes and everything. So in that process, I was like, well, what would my drag name be? And I remember I was sitting with my best friends and Vincent Cooper, who's like a New York City promoter and event organizer and agent, he was like at drag brunch at Senior Frogs. He was like, you're going to do drag. After he saw me dance for mm-hmm. Jada, he's like, I know you're going to wear a wig eventually. You're going to do what I see it. And he's like, well, you should, your name should be Cece because my boy name, Zachary, is Z-A-C-C-A-R-Y. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's no H. And he's like, Cece sounds like Christine, short for Christine. It's, it's cute. It's, you know, a little catchy. And then my mom's name is Christine. So I was like, oh, that, that can tie in. Like there's relevance to it. So I told my friends and they were like, bitch, no. They were like, that's, <laughs> girl, your name ain't gonna be CC. They were like, you, you, like, they're like, you're, you're ratchet, but funny. You're an amazing entertainer. Like we need something that really catches the essence. And they were like, you talk about dick all the time. You talk about sex. You, you talk about all your like adventures. And I was like, well, that's because I, I need, I need D. Like I need the dick. And they're like, I need, and I was like, ooh. I need, I need a, I need a D. And then boom, there it goes. I need a D. There you go. Mm-hmm. I love it. But I, I made the, I made sure I didn't want to put, I need a dick because I was like, also, this is the business part of me. I was right. like, if I do drag and become successful and I'm working in different venues or maybe corporate events or maybe stuff that is family friendly, like I need a dick is a little bit harsher. I think mm-hmm. I need a D leaves room for imagination Right. And then when people are like, what's the D stand for? I'm like dollar drink dependency and then dick. So there you go. You got it. See, you okay. know, branding is, is very important in drag. Marketing is important in drag. A lot of queens forget about it mm-hmm. because all of a sudden you have an incredible drag name. Then RuPaul calls and they're like, please change your name first. I, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It is. It, I mean, if we didn't see that from season 12, <laughs> I mean, it's, it is true. You know, I think sometimes queens forget, um, and I, I, I guess for me, because I majored in business, I, I try to look at everything as a business anyway. Yeah. And with drag, it is an, an artistry. It is a form. It is an expression. But also it's a job and it's a business. Right. And, you know, you want to make sure your brand is applicable in any situation, whether it be at a club, at a bar, at a school event, like a college event, at a family event at a wedding, you know, like there's different situations that drag queens get booked for. 
And the last thing you need is your name to stop people from booking you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm never going to do drag, but like I had come up with a name for a web series I was writing and, and the name was Cassio Pianya. <laughs> Funny, but I think the only but, place that's going to hire you is the cock and the eagle. Okay. Um, okay. So, I mean, you got branding, but it's, yeah. it's not going to, Hasbro's not going to ha- uh, hire no, you for not. a digital vo- show. Neither it's is Kellogg's. Happen. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, hey, who who doesn't love an Irish king queen? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think it's it, it is very important, and and I love this backstory. But how would you describe Anita in three words? Oh my god! So Anita is. Oh my, she's it's okay. She's. Oh, that's so hard. She's a lot. Okay, I know she is. <laughs> she's she's hilarious. Mm-hmm. she's also intimidating mm-hmm. i've been told that a lot and she's definitely show stopping is that one word <laughs> sure let's go with one that, that works. So I, I would say hilarious intimidating and show stopping um yeah i mean i love to perform she loves a stage she loves a light she loves people whether it's five to a hundred um but i she gets intimidating not bitch i've never gotten bitch for mm-hmm. her which is great but she gets intimidating i think because when i'm anita i'm I try to exude so much confidence yeah. that when I walk into the room or when I, when I run my shows or host events, some people are like, wow, like you're intimidating at first because like, they're like, I know not to fuck with your show. Like, mm-hmm. you know what you're doing. You have confidence. You're a great performer. So I'm just like, I just sit back and enjoy the ride. And I'm like, yeah. good, enjoy it because this is El Toro, bitch. Okay. <laughs> and, and she's a tall girl. She, she, she's intimidating. She's tall. She's like six, four in heels, honey. Okay. That's, that's a beanstalk baby. <laughs> How long does it take to transform into Anita? Um, normally it takes like an hour and a half, I would say from doing makeup to also getting into the mm-hmm. like full drag body, outfit, hair and everything. But recently I was running late, not running late. I was running, yeah, I was running behind and I did my face in 30 minutes and it Ooh. still came out looking like a woman. So I, now I can officially say that I can get ready in an hour. All right, all right. So do you have any traditions when you get ready? Um, I always have my coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like the like first any thing. specific brand or what? No, literally whatever is at the supermarket. Normally what I'll do, uh, if because we have like a coffee machine at home, mm-hmm. but sometimes I wake up and I'm lazy or yeah. even if I'm getting ready is I usually order from the same deli, a beef patty because it's easy to eat if I have like makeup on Yeah, and a medium iced coffee with, uh, two creams and two sugars and by the time because it comes with a straw mm-hmm. so by the time it gets here i'm literally like maybe eyebrows on and like setting powder on and the delivery guy always knows that like i have a gig he's like <laughs> oh okay and i'm like yeah you know what it is um so that i definitely do that and then i usually just play one album mm-hmm. and if the album finishes like that's kind of my time-wise gauging of like i should be done like I'll play sure. Sam Smith's new album. And if I'm through like seven songs, I'm like, okay, I should be done now. And I should be like either getting dressed or heading to the gig. Gotcha. All right. I like, I like that. I like that. Now this is the portion of the show where we try to get you some sponsorship. What are your favorite makeup products? What do you love to use? Okay. I love, there's three main project pr- products that come to mind for a foundation. I love black opal. I find Black Opal, it is a an expensive brand, but mm-hmm. their foundation is full coverage. I it my beard, my like 
five o'clock, seven o'clock, 10 o'clock shadow never shows. <laughs> um, it blends real easy for me. So I love that for foundation. I am now officially obsessed with um, Dragon Beauty from Nikita from All in LA. She has the, um, the highlighting press powder. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I got it because I was like, let me see what this is. Like, I've never used pressed powders to really highlight in areas, but that shit is magical. Okay, so Nikita, if you see this, girl, your product is banging. Um, and then I am also, I got into Fenty Beauty's skincare. Uh-huh. I haven't used any of her makeup products yet. I do want to get into that, but I have used her skincare. Um, and it's like, the makeup remover, there's like fat water, which is like water that's enriched with all these vitamins. And then she has this like night cream. And like, I always put it on before I go to bed. And the next day my skin is like soft and like it feels moisturized. I don't feel like, like I'm a drying cactus <laughs> in the Sierra desert. So uh, those, are, those are the three products um, nice. or brands that I would say I definitely, definitely love. What was your first official gig in performance? What, what did you perform? Okay, so my first official gig was the Legends Wednesday competition that Endora Tate and Aquaria were hosting on mm-hmm. Wednesday at Rise Bar. Uh, it was the Beyonce competition. Beyonce was the diva that month. So the competition was her. I competed in that, and that was my debut in drag. And then I won, um, thankfully. <laughs> um, otherwise, I would have been embarrassed. And Right after that, Ted, who is one of the owners of Rise, was like, do you want to perform here every Friday for like just one number? It's Friday nights are already busy. So they just have a queen come in, do like one little number towards like midnight area time period. And then you just kiki and hang out with people and socialize. And I was like, yeah. So after doing a competition, that was my weekly. And that was my first ever gig. So nice. Bye bye. Love you. Do, do you remember if you competed against any um, names, anyone who still does drag? Um, <clears throat> that was four <laughs> years ago. And, you know, no tea, no shade um, to Rise Bar or to the competition, not the competition. Um, it was only me and this other girl because it was an amateur competition right. as well. So it gave room for people that were just doing it or new. But it was only two people that competed. So I know it's not something to brag about because there's only two of us. But <laughs> I don't care. I still won. Um, and I, I don't remember her name because I haven't seen her out and about since. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if she's still doing drag or not. Um, but it wasn't someone that was already like in New York City already like performing consistently or like all the time. You know what I mean? Well, what's going yeah. on? Um, so we're going to keep this on the podcast because I love it. But someone was very bloody taken out, uh, taken out on a stretcher at the Capitol building. So not sure what's going on. Oh I have this on in the background. Listeners, this is what, what is today? January 6th, yep. 2021. The day they're supposed to be certified. And there is a mass protest outside the Capitol building. People are inside the building. Yeah. Literally I, on I, the grounds of the building. Yeah, this is insane, and I, I hope this is a um, little timepiece in the future when you get to listen to this, but oh my god, shit's going I, down. It is. You know what's crazy? I saw the video, I was watching the news uh, today and watching the videos and, like, the live reporting, and I'm literally, like, in my head, I was like, this is the start of, like, like, when you've seen, like, Handmaid's Tale or, or like, 
places that had like a coup d'etat or like a civil war or something like when when like infrastructures fail or we've seen yeah. other countries where their like government has failed like this is what it literally looks like and i'm not gonna lie i'm kind of nervous because we've never had this much of of uh like resistance or protests during any election that i've been alive for whether yeah. it be like senate elections or presidential elections or local ones to this establishment so it really scares me the division that's in this country right now do you know it's, what i mean it's, it's terrifying and i mean i i hope this is a singular moment right um i mean you can definitely say that the current president uh has incited volume violence here so that is mm-hmm. um kind of illegal so i'm I mean, very curious to see what happens next yeah I'm pretty sure that's why they were able to get on Capitol grounds because he was like, let them in. They're my yep. friends. Let them in. It's fine. Yeah. So it's just like, uh, like get this motherfucker out so we can have some decency again. Very soon. And and work on being civil people again. <laughs> Very soon. Well, okay. We're going to get back to you, the important <laughs> shit. So we were talking about competition a little bit and I feel like you were a bit of a staple in the um, long-lasting Lady Liberty competition. Oh! Um, yeah. you, you were... A part of like every season at least in some capacity um and then some of the spinoffs yeah so i did um i did season three which was the last season i believe they did before boots and saddles closed right so lady liberty used to be at boots and saddles i did season three um which i made top two against jan sport mm-hmm. or jan who is also from um drag race season 12 so a good good sis and friend of mine um and then we started working together a lot after so i did season three i got top two then i did then they switched to ace hotel because boots and saddles closed and instead of making it a weekly competition to prelims to finals like a tournament style they did like the one night only different categories kind of competition so they turned it into a one night event so i came back again i would say maybe season five i think and this is when um shade queens of nyc i believe that's the name of it that the the show that britta filter and marty go coming jasmine mm-hmm. rice chelsea pierre uh jada and them were on they they were filming so i did that that competition and then i made top two again against jasmine rice labeja from the royal house of labeja mm-hmm. <laughs> um so she won and then they did another one right before world pride like maybe a month before and Vincent Cooper's like, do you want to do it? And I was like, well, here we go, bitch. Third time's a charm. And I think that was like maybe season seven or eight officially. Um, and I did that one and I finally fucking won. <laughs> there you go. So I, I've done Lady Liberty three times before winning. So it's proof, y'all. Just come back stronger each time and then eventually you will get what is yours. Yeah, I mean, I um, I don't know if you remember, but I was on the judges panel for season two finale. I was on the judges panel for season three finale. Mm-hmm. And uh, both Jim and I were brought back for every week of season four. Um, it, w- it's a f- it was a fun competition. It really was one of those things where you got to see who the future of drag could be. Yeah. Yeah. It was a place where you got your name out there and if you succeeded, you could go further. And then if you didn't succeed, if you pushed yourself, you still have the notoriety. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if you look at the people that have won, Hibiscus won the first season, Avant Garbage the second, Jan won the third, you had Rosé that's been a winner, Skywalker, yeah. Lemon was, uh, I mean, I mean, I think she was 
set to like she was going to win, but the venue had closed early or something. She was like my favorite. I was like, I was rooting for that bitch, but I know that the venue closed early, but I know she was like top two or three. Um, but like the people that have won or gotten far or either, you know, have they've been successful in New York City now, you know, yeah. um, and or even beyond New York City. So it was a great competition. And I liked when it was weekly because in the finale, what I love the most about Lady Liberty, and I think it was so smart, was when it was me and Jan against like the other, there was like four other girls. Um, in the finale, you had to do, you had 10 minutes to do like a, a mock show. Right. And you had to like host your own show. It could be whatever you wanted to do. And then you can include a performance in it. And I thought that was so great because it trains you to think if I'm gonna be doing drag, which encompasses me hosting shows at venues, what would my show look like? Right. And it gives the people that are judging and the owners of the bar and an audience to see, are you capable of hosting a show? Which in reality, it's great to win a competition, but realistically our job is to be hosts at events. Absolutely. Did you learn a lot about yourself while doing the competition? I did. Um, I learned that I normally have fun at first when I'm doing mm -hmm. a competition. And then as I get closer to winning, I get more like antsy and nervous. And then I get really focused in on winning. Like my first initial thing was like, you know what, let's do this. I'm new. Let's have fun. Let's like, I just want to dance and perform for people. And as I started to win, I was like, oh, bitch, I might, like, actually win this. Like, ooh, okay, okay, now we got to be, like, you know, serious. Um, and I learned to to roll with the punches. I would definitely say that. You know, whatever I had in my head, whether it be an outfit, a look, a performance piece, a stunt, if it doesn't happen, keep going, roll with the punches, and kind of, like, make the best of it. Um, that was definitely, like, the major thing. Because sometimes I, be, I can be a perfectionist, and... Mm -hmm if I'm doing like a high kick or something or I'm supposed to do a move with a dancer and it doesn't come out the way I wanted to, like I might get stuck on it. Right. But with that, when you, you, with this competition, you got to just keep going, you know, and sometimes the recovery of a mistake can help you out anyway. Then mm -hmm. if you stay on that and get stuck on that, like, you know, mess up. So. It's, it's kind of crazy to think that that, that was how drag used to be. And then mm -hmm. we enter 2020 and we are in a year of the digital drag. And you've been pretty busy in the world of digital drag. Why was it important for you to keep active while still performing digitally, even though you're performing for an audience of maybe two people or a hundred people, you never know. Um, <clears throat> I think there's two reasons why it was important. I think the one that's kind of, uh, a little bit more obvious is financial reasons. Mm -hmm. um, I had just switched over to doing drag full-time in November of 2019. Um, and so majority, if not all of my income was coming from drag. Mm -hmm. I was doing drag full-time in terms of like five to six days out of the week. I had some type of event or gig or weekly show that I was doing. So all of my money was pretty much coming from drag. So when the pandemic hit, I was like, I still need to find a way to make money because I still have to pay my bills and we weren't getting this extension on like rent wasn't, you know, stopped and all this stuff. And the other thing that I've learned is that uh, working in nightlife is a very unsafe and like, I don't even know if, you, if it's insecure or unsecure. It's just a, not a secure industry for drag queens and performers 
because unlike singers, dancers, and actors, they can be a part of a union. Right. Drag queens don't have that. And nine times out of 10, drag queens are working one night a week at a bar. So you're not even really on payroll or you're not full-time. So there's right. no benefits. There's no health insurance. There's no dental. There's no pay time off. There's no vacation pay. You know what I mean? So the moment you lose your gig, like you, it's also hard to even sometimes try to get unemployment because right. where are you employed? Exactly. Um, so for me, it was like, I have to, I have to, have to, have to keep going and find something to do, even if it's once a week to bring income in to help sustain myself in my apartment and keep my end of expenses. And then the second thing, it was just a mental thing. Like I, I've always been on the move, always doing something like every day, sometimes doing too much. And to go from doing five, six shows and being a part of Chain New York and doing all this to then doing nothing was like, right. oh, no, bitch. No, you will go insane at home if you don't do something. So those were the two things. It was like mentally to keep me busy and keep me occupied. And then the second was just to really keep income coming in in some capacity. So I'd say you're big staple show of the of the year was e-brunch oh yes my baby i love why 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 e-brunch what why a brunch show um you know i um i you know e-brunch for me was like let's do some something i wanted to make something that was like a kind of a staple for me i didn't and i wanted something that was developed and mm -hmm. so I was sitting with my roommates and we had already like, we had already heard that the city was going to lockdown on, on that Monday. It was like the weekend we were talking about it. I was like, let's do a brunch, but let's do it like later in the afternoon because I have a lot of friends in the West coast in mm -hmm. Cali. And I have friends in all, you know, in different areas and fraternity brothers that are also gay as well or queer that are in different areas that never get to see me perform live. So I was like, if we do an e-brunch, like if we do a brunch later in the afternoon, it's still kind of brunch time for them over in the West Coast. So they can tune in. And one, they get to see me finally. It won't be live, but they get to see me online. And two, we can have fun with it. We can like set up the table. We can make it like actual brunch. I yeah. have mimosas. You know, I have this space is literally like my dining room area, but it's become our workroom. And, you know, we can develop it and make it like if it was a brunch, like if people were at, at actual brunch. And so as soon as we knew that we were going to be in lockdown, I think we spent that whole week working on logistics and I had a flyer out within like three or four days after we went in lockdown. And I just figured brunch was the best thing because also it gave people the chance to do something like at home, you know, like if they're stuck at home with their loved ones, whatever, they can get their, um, they can get their Prosecco or sparkling wine because liquor is essential in America, <laughs> apparently, because we're alcoholics. Sure is. They can make themselves breakfast. They can make themselves brunch and they can enjoy with us, you know, as opposed to just doing a show weekly where there was no in, like involvement with the audience or the, or the audience really couldn't do something to get excited for it. You know, I think right. making it a brunch gave people the chance to kind of get involved, even if I couldn't see them physically or see them do it, they can get involved. And it was a great, um, I got a great like reception from it because people would post and they were like literally had a full brunch set up. They had their mimosas, they had their like egg omelet, they and they would sit and watch the show and have brunch with me. So I thought e brunch was the best thing to do, one to get people involved, um, and two like also just to make it something. I wouldn't say brunch is unique, but make it something that was my own. Nice. And now you've brought in your sis hibiscus to join in on the fun. Yes, I did. I brought her in, you know, um, 
before when I first did e-brunch, I was doing it myself with my roommates. And then like every two weeks I would bring hibiscus and just kind of being safe. Like we'd spend two weeks apart. She'd stay at home. I'd stay home. I'd have her come in. We'd do the show. And then we spend another two weeks kind of like quarantining again, just to make sure we're safe. Um, and, you know, she enjoyed it and she had her friends that really enjoyed it and they enjoyed e-brunch. And so when we went back into like the second kind of hybrid lockdown, you know, I was like, let's bring it back because I know it's going to be applicable to a lot of people since they're stuck right. at home again. But let's kind of think about it and make it, you know, cleaner, better than it was the first time. So we decided doing it every two weeks. And since it was going to be every two weeks anyway, I was like, do you want to just be with me every two weeks? You know, it makes it fun. We can hit you can hit your friends. It gives you a chance to make money, too. We both make money. And I always love performing with my sister or hibiscus yeah. wherever I'm at. It could be in an alleyway, bitch. And I'm like, let's go. Five, <laughs> six, seven, eight. Let's go. <laughs> you also happen to be someone who is pretty fortunate to be able to do in-person gigs as well. Once bars slowly opened up, whether it was an outside patio or a brunch right. on the street. One of my favorite gigs that came up was drag livery from our favorite place fresco's cantina how did that come about and why was it so unique and successful um so i was before that i was doing um drag bingo at fresco's brian is uh the owner along with mm -hmm. his husband adrian and brian and i have known each other for over 10 years because he's in a fraternity that's mm -hmm. latino based and i'm in another fraternity that's latino based so we knew each other before i even started working there yeah um so we, we had a great relationship um, and I've loved working at Fresco's. Fresco's is one of my favorite places to work at. The, the support, the family there is just amazing. So when we went in lockdown, obviously I lost my, my bingo. And I remember Brian called me and he's like, so I'm thinking about this idea. He's like, I'm thinking since I'm already doing deliveries and takeout and to kind of like bring still business to us, but also help out my girls that perform there. What do you think about this? And so he went through the idea. He, he went through this like drag livery idea, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was like, I think this is a great idea. These are my concerns because this was, we're all in the, like the new of this coronavirus. Right. So I was like, if we're going to do it and it's obviously going to be exposed somehow, and whether it's people posting social media, whatever the case is, we need to still make sure that we're doing it in the safest way possible for one, the staff, and then also two for the patrons buying. So we kind of fleshed out the ideas and like cleaned up things and, worked on it and I think what made it so successful was one it was the one of the first places to do it yep in in New York and in a lot of places in the U.S. Um, so being you know sometimes timing is key just making sure you're on time with things or, or, or ahead of the schedule so I think that was the first thing and the second thing is no one had any before that since we were in lockdown no one had any live performances in any capacity besides right. seeing people on virtually. So for a lot of people to order in Astoria and have a drag queen deliver it and then on the sidewalk do a full out performance to a song was uplifting for a lot of people. And I think it yeah. really helped a lot of people get through the pandemic. And, you know, sure enough from posting on our social media and our stories, a lot of different like local news channels, even this like news station in Germany came it was crazy i was like germany wants to see us um they came and filmed and it got a lot of attention but it got a lot of positive attention because yeah. we made sure that we were being safe you know we had our mask on we had our gloves when we delivered when we performed we were six feet away from them on the sidewalk on the streets and the bitch we were in the park okay <laughs> we were in parks performing um 
And I think that's what made it successful. It gave people hope. It gave people a sense of normalcy during a crazy time when everyone was stuck at home. Um, yeah. And I think that was what really set it apart. Yeah. So it was you, Hibiscus, Katrina, and Audrey. Yep. Um, I wanted to do it, but I was out of delivery range. It was just too, it was, I think it was like two blocks too far. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it so was sad. It, it was tricky um, because he had his, I mean, Fresco's is a small, right. you know, intimate restaurant. So he had like a few staff people to, to do it, but in order to accommodate for the amount of orders that we got, we only had right. four queens. We had like three drivers. If we were to do like a delivery all the way, like let's say in Brooklyn, right. that's like 30 to almost an hour gone from getting there, delivering it, performing and coming back. So that queen is no longer available to do right. like another delivery in the same hour. So he had to kind of limit it to like a story in a sense. And, yeah. you know, maybe next time we'll just expand two blocks more. So, you yeah, can get please. <laughs> Actually, I think I looked on Seamless last night and uh, Fresco's was on there. So I was like, oh, now now you deliver yeah. to me. Thanks. Now, what I love Fresco's. I mean, the food is excellent. They uh, were always so kind when I whenever I would go. So um, it was really uplifting to see this kind of show. But yeah. it must have been hard to switch from being in a fully live setting to then going digitally to then having to go live again. What kind of ups and downs did you find as a performer? Um, I think the weirdest thing I would say, it could be an up or a down, um, was I feed off the energy of the crowd. You right. know, I, I obviously I'm there to entertain, uplift and help and make people have a good time while they're there for my show. But at the same token, if I get a lot of great energy from people yelling, screaming, clapping, applauding, it makes me want to do even better or go even sure. harder in performing. And the like one thing that was a really like shock to me was when I did my first e-brunch <laughs> and we played the intro track and then I went into my living room and I was like, hey, guys, welcome to e-brunch, blah, blah, blah. And I'm performing and there's like silence. <laughs> and all I hear is my heels like click clacking on my floor. And then when I finish the number, there's silence again, you know? Yeah. So that was weird. Not having that audio or visual energy and feedback from the, from what I was used to in live performances. Um, I think the other thing too, was like just dealing with technology, dealing with the ups and downs, you know, mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram have been really difficult for a lot of drag Queens or including myself of like, being able to do our shows and then not get the feed or the live turned off because it's copyright issues. Right. You know, like you could do any number in, in a club because ain't nobody going to be like, this is copyright infringement. And then they're going to turn the DJ off. You know right. what I mean? So when you, when we went Facebook live and do Instagram lives, you know, there's times where in the middle of my number, I get like a notification, like this will be blocked if you don't. Da, da, da. And I'm like, Ugh. so dealing with those technical issues yeah. that I didn't have to deal with. Um, and then the last thing is, which was a challenge was producing a whole show. You know, I, I think a lot of us didn't realize how much, how many people are involved in a drag show until we started doing stuff virtually. Sure. You have, you have yourself, obviously you have the DJ if they're playing the music, you have a person that's doing lights, which sometimes is the DJ themselves. You know what I mean? You have all these different people that help you make the show successful that now all those jobs landed on us. Right. Um, which for me created a, even deeper respect for anyone that anyone that I've worked with in a venue that have done that I've done shows at. Like, even if you're the person that's turning the lights on and off, like, bitch, that is important because that can sometimes make or break a number. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are the challenges. Ugh. Yeah, it, it's it's been really interesting to watch who has been able to maintain doing digital shows because everyone tried it and it it, it got to a point where it was oversaturated and i was like i'm not Uh, watching anything because y'all are going to make me feel bad that i missed one of your shows so i I completely stopped watching but then it was like who kept with it and obviously this year was weird so the glam awards decided we're just going to do a digital version and that girl its own rift uh, within the community um but it, it, it really opened my eyes to see who is a full-on producer of their art and who is there to be promoted. Right, right. I 100% agree on that one. Because, <laughs> um, like, uh, we all knew it, but we didn't really know how important success was based on how bars promoted you and supported you. Um, because that's how you made a name. And like, if you look at the people who were nominated for these awards, no other year, some of these people would be nominated. Yep. It's true. Um, this year definitely was a lesson for a lot of people. Like Mm -hmm. you said, I learned that I am capable of doing a show virtually or producing a show from scratch. Yeah. Either virtually or in person, you know, some people, have realized they're not capable and that's okay in the in the aspect of like there are drag queens that are great to show up at a corporate event and look pretty and stand there and and get their money and leave there are queens that are great at hosting events being the person that has the mic regulating and making sure a show goes smoothly there are queens that are great to just do big production numbers and that's it and then there's some queens that are good at all that you know so I think this was a, a learning lesson for a lot of people about their brand, about their drag, about their capabilities, and mm-hmm. also seeing their flaws and, and strengths and weaknesses, you know? And nothing wrong with that. It's just like, now that you know what you're good at, what you're not good at, maybe you can take the time now to work on what you're not good at and make right. that better, work on your weaknesses, and then continue exploiting your your strengths. Absolutely. Now, there, there were some, I'm going to use the word very loosely, quote unquote, social justice warriors who had a lot of things to say when it came to drag artists performing live in person once things started to open up again. Did mm-hmm. you personally get any pushback by people? Oh, absolutely. And I don't even care if this is on record, baby, because I'm here for the tea, honey. Um, me and Hibiscus did... Uh, sh- I, when we started doing shows in person, I got a brunch at Tower Lucci Vino. It's an amazing Italian restaurant that has three locations. I was there every Saturday for one and two thirty seatings. I had a guest each week, so we did one. It was outside, and there's a picture and a video of us. Um, there's a picture of me without like the face shield that I had on, speaking to the audience. Um, outside, and then Hibiscus is by the DJ booth without her face shield on. Um, and then there's a video of us doing a group number together. And this queen, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know if I, I don't care to say her name. Um, no, I'm not gonna say her name. Out of respect, just because uh, I don't want people going on tangents, and we don't need to incite any type of violence. But there was a queen that had posted about it, and she's like. She had posted two drag queens in the Lower East Side with no face shield on. What the fuck? Where's your mask? And so in her in her post, 
someone had posted the picture of us and then the video of us. And so it kind of went in this back and forth and like Hibiscus had replied in a very professional, very mature manner. Right. She explaining what the picture was showing and why that was what, what had taken place. Hibiscus didn't have her face shield on because she was at the DJ booth, which was like a table for anyone else. And when you're sitting at the table, you can have your mask off. Me, on the other hand, I was talking for a second because I was fixing my mask and then I was going to put it back on, but I was talking to the audience about the show and everything. Um, and then I replied, you know, because it was getting back and forth and, and there's a difference between holding people accountable and then just being a cunt mm -hmm. or just being an asshole and just trying to do this to like self-justify yourself and, and seem righteous. Like if you have a concern with someone or behavior, you can hold them accountable. I think that is fair because it's no longer just about yourself. It's about others, which we've seen this virus. But when you're just trying to be malicious and, and put people's shit out there and try to get them canceled, when they are respectfully replying back to you to explain situations, I think that's wrong. And so what I did was I told the queen in message, I mean, in comment, I said, if you have a problem with this, I am more than, I am more than happy to have a conversation with you in private on Messenger so we can talk about it. And we spoke in private. And I told you this was a situation. You got a picture and you got a video. I said, could I have been more conscious about that? Absolutely. Are you wrong for feeling this way? No, your feelings are valid. I know how it looks. It looks very bad in that aspect because we're going through this height of a pandemic. Right. However, you don't need to come out, you come out in this capacity. You know, and it was what was most ironic and funny for me was that she said, in the message, she was like, you know, I, I hate that we met this, we were meeting in this capacity in this way. I feel like if we had known each other, uh, we would have been good friends. And in my head, I was like, if you had known me and we were good friends, you wouldn't have posted this in this capacity. Exactly. You would have messaged me as a friend and be like, girl, this does not look good. Do you know what I mean? Uh, because absolutely. if I know my friends are doing something like a close friend of mine, I'm not going to blast your shit on Facebook and try to make you get canceled. I'm going to message you like, girl, this does not look cute. Like, yeah. you know, like whatever the reason is that you have this video up, you have the video up, but it does not look cute. I'm just letting you know as your friend, be careful or like this, what are, these are my concerns. No, you don't know me from a hole in the wall. You don't know hibiscus. We're working hard. You know, I admit it that it does not look right, but you just, the way you came out was just like, mm -mm. so um, uh, we have had our own experience with the, people holding others accountable or as you say like the uh social what was the word that you use for social them? justice warriors yeah social justice warriors um and you know i think me and hibiscus handle it in the best way possible and well, I mean, as mature like, adults hibiscus is the most mild-mannered sweetest person in all of nightlife when she goes off, you know there is a massive issue. Bitch, when my little pocket rocket Asian persuasion flower sister, it's like she turns from hibiscus to a Venus flytrapper. And it takes a lot for her because she has a lot of patience. She's very understanding. She's very level-headed. So when I woke up at like 2 o'clock, because, you know, I don't wake up any time earlier than that, and I, and I saw the post and us being tagged, and I saw hibiscus replying, and the, the queen, the way the queen was replying back, I was like, no, bitch, like, you're not going to disrespect us. You're not going to come out your mouth. You don't know us from a hole in the wall. And I think that's sometimes what has been the issue during this time of people not just outing, but like holding people accountable or, or, or putting them is that some people are actually holding people accountable because they really do care and, and they want everyone to be safe in some sure. capacity or they're concerned because these people are going to be affecting others. And then there's other people that 
are going on a rant because maybe they're angry of what's going on. And I understand, but they're taking it out in a way that is not productive. Right. And for me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to feed that negativity. I'm not going to feed that energy, but what I will do is have a conversation. And if I'm in the wrong, which takes a lot of maturity for people to do is I'll admit that I'm wrong and I'll learn from it, but don't go from me saying like, okay, I agree with you in these capacities, your feelings are valid. And then you want to keep pressing it. Like that's no baby. And what made it worse with this queen too, is that, after all of that, after I had the conversation with her in private on Messenger, after there was the comments on Facebook, she goes on Twitter and she's like, and no Tino Shade, and I'm not trying to like make this about like race, but it just seemed kind of like a common trait. It's this white cis male drag queen that has an OnlyFans, right? And I'm bitch, sex work is work. Do what you got to do to make your money. I'm not judging anyone. But she goes on her Twitter. She's like, oh, now the whole drag community hates me, blah, 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 blah. And then like says another comment and she's like, oh, just because I told the queen to put on a mask uh, and like stop being a murderer. And I'm like, girl, we just, we just spoke about this in Messenger where the conversation ended in a good, in my opinion, in a good tone. And then you have the nerve to go on Twitter to kind of, to try to play this victim shit. When you just try to come for two queens that have really been busting their ass to make a name for themselves, but also just continue working in the, best way possible and find and try to be as safe as possible as well like you're like you're not you're like you're hibiscus come on hibiscus is not right. drama exactly. and you want to go pick on this bitch like are you serious you know yeah, and then no, to go it, it just felt like they were instigating just to feel relevant for a moment yeah it, it, was, it was really disgusting to watch and obviously i didn't get involved because it's not my battle but right. it was it was unfortunate to watch. Like we're all going through something. We shouldn't be tearing each other down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no need for it. Yeah, it's it's just it's like at, at the end of the day, it's just a delivery, and a lot of people are braver behind a screen there than they are Absolutely. in person. And I can admit, I I feel that way too sometimes as well. But you know, if you're truly concerned. I think people forget sometimes that other people are humans. And so when they're quick to like try to put, post them, whatever, and cancel them, they kind of forget that that's still a human being. And right. sometimes if we took that moment to just realize that this is still a human being, maybe the approach about exposing them, unless they're completely reckless and they deserve it. And I'm like, okay, bitch, you're literally in danger. Like you can give two shits about anyone else's life. Like if your shit gets blasted, it gets blasted. But sometimes okay. if we just took that moment to like take a second and realize that the other person is human, we might've delivered our concerns in a better way. Way. right and, and it, it also happened in the, the 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 olympics of drag where you had some drag race queens coming for each other for discussing um performing during covid times where pheromone just got blocked by Gigan and trinity the tuck and and it was really kind of a mean way of it all happening but this same conversation happened at that level too yeah it's you know i mean it's challenging because people are trying to navigate their emotions in the best way possible dealing with this pandemic and people have been affected in different levels. And so that's what I try to remind myself whenever I'm dealing with someone that is going on a rant, when I'm, when I'm dealing with someone that is, you know, being different or having this negativity is that there are people that are pissed the fuck off at, at this pandemic and are angry as fuck of seeing people at parties and seeing people at events and seeing people without masks because either they've lost loved ones, family members, they have people that work in ER and medical fields. And so I try to take that understanding if someone approaches me with like, 
this kind of anger about something I might have done, I try to give that benefit of the doubt and like, let's discuss it. And again, I think one thing that's mature people do is you own up to your mistakes. You know, like quick example, there's a doctor that was found that went to, I don't know if he went to PV or something, or he went to some party, some like big party, big event in another country. And, you know, they posted this, that this doctor is here doing this during the pandemic, no mask are being worn, whatever. And when he got back to, to his home, he made a video owning to his mistake and, and admitting that he needs to do better. Great. You know, you fucked up in some capacity, you're messed up. Now, you know, admit it because that's what a mature person does and then move on and make sure you don't make that mistake again. People right. are capable of making mistakes and people are capable of learning from it. The problem is sometimes when people are exposed from the mistakes that they're making or doing things that are against guidelines, they want to be so defensive instead of taking a moment to just sit back, listen and think like, okay, do, am I in the wrong of this capacity? Am I affecting other people? If I am, then okay, let me own up to that and move on, you know? So it's, it's this, this, this 2020 year. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's wore it's me wild. out. It sure has. Well, Let's play a game. We're going to play a game oh. called This or That. I'm going to give you two options. You're going to pick the one you prefer. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm nervous. <laughs> All right. Day or night? Night. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Mountains or beach? Beach. Tea or coffee? Oh, coffee for sure. <laughs> Bath or shower? Oh, shower. Take out or dine in? Take out. Witches or vampires? Oh, that's good. Um, witches. Comfort or style? Comfort. <laughs> <laughs> Rihanna or Beyonce? Oh, how dare you? Beyonce, get out of here. <laughs> Cardi B or Nicki Minaj? Oh, Nicki. Whitney or Mariah? <gasps> that's, that is homophobic. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Whitney. Lady Gaga or Madonna? Oh, bitch. Lady Gaga. <laughs> David or Patrick? David. <laughs> Nintendo Switch or PS5? Oh! Nintendo Switch because I have it. <laughs> Drag or cheer? Oh, how dare you? <laughs> oh my God. Um, uh, Drag because it pays my bills. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I love going behind the music and learning about uh, my guests' signature numbers. What would you say is your signature number and how did it become your number one requested number? Um, I would have to say definitely end of time. Um, the concert version, mm -hmm. I took two concert versions that she did just the intro from one and then included that and then kept the second concert version as the rest of the song that has been my number one and always like usually requested all the time. Um, one, because I started drag doing Beyonce because she's one of my favorite artists of all yeah. time. Um, I love her cause she's well-rounded she can sing and perform and hold a note you know um and end of time is great because that iconic beginning where she's like yeah. slapping her leg and then her foot stomps the jump don't it like every time i do it no matter where i'm at like the moment the the base of the beat drops everyone's like yeah like it just immediately because they know what's coming up um and then her dance break in the middle towards the end it's one of my favorite numbers to do i love it i literally feel my inner beyonce but it's like fiance because i'm not real beyonce i'm fake beyonce. <laughs> um i feel it but that is my number one go-to for sure it's one of my favorite numbers i've been doing it since i started drag and that was four years ago and that's still been requested today so 
are you someone who prefers to do a standalone song or a mix? Oh, man. I think when, you know, it's weird. I am comfortable doing both. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was first starting, I did mostly just mixes because I felt like I had to. Yeah. Um, And then I got comfortable doing just songs by themselves. For me, it's like if I'm going to do a standalone song, it just needs to have layers. Like if the song is, if it's monotone, then I don't, then I'm going to put in a mix. If like if the chorus is cute and the beat is cute, I'll put in a mix. If it's a song that has highs and lows, a good cute bridge, a dancing portion, a portion where I can do a trick, sometimes I don't need a mix. I just need that song itself. Yeah. You know, um, like Bang Bang or like Boss Bitch from from uh, from Doja Cat. Like it's rap, it's high energy, it's dance. There's a bridge to it. There's a breakdown part. There's a part where I can do a trick. It's I'm like I don't need a mix for it. It's yeah. like it's like a mix of itself. You know, so I'm comfortable doing both now. Before it was just mixes, but now give me a single track and I'm here for it. So you have been able to perform live. Um, Your upcoming e-brunch, this will be out after, but it is a total request live show. Yes. When we eventually get back into the world of uh, live performances, that means we'll have drag roulettes again. Mm -hmm. What song from 2020 are you most excited to perform? And what song from 2020 are you wishing the fans will never request? Um, I... Oh man, I'm so excited, honestly, for Rain On Me mm-hmm. is one of my favorite 2020 songs that came out. Um, also- But are you yeah. Gaga or Ariana? Oh, you know what's crazy? Okay, I always perform the Gaga portion mm-hmm. when I whenever I'm with another queen, like with Hibiscus or another queen, but no T, no shit, I really do like Ariana's part. <laughs> I do, I, mean, I just love the, I love her vocals in it. I'm like, and then it's funny because like, even if I'm not performing her part and like another queen is, I'm in the like corner still doing the dance. I'm like, right. you know, it's it's stupid. Um, But I, I do Gaga's part, I guess, because I'm the taller bitch. I don't know. Fair, um, fair. I'm most excited about that. And I, the least excited song, I would say, it's so weird because I do like the song, but I'm not excited because I haven't learned the choreo for it yet, is Body mm-hmm. from Megan Thee Stallion. And I'm not excited because when we were doing live shows it, and we did roulettes, it was always asked for. And because they're, because like the Queens I was working with knew that I do like hip hop and pop and R&B right. and like old school and you know, my black ass, my half black ass. They were like, you know, body, right? And I'm like, I don't know the choreo. <laughs> so, <laughs> and of course I'm they want the choreo. I, I got to learn the choreo. I got to stop being lazy and just learn the goddamn choreo for the chorus part. But that w- I would say that I'm the least excited for it because I don't know the choreo yet. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So we're going to play the Cameo Game Show. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. Oh, my God. I have to guess who costs more? Okay. (laughs) All right. And these are going to be queens of the Drag Race franchise. Okay. All right. First up, Crystal Method or Crystal? Who costs more? Um, I feel like Crystal Method because she's yep. more recent. Ah! Crystal Method is 100. Crystal is 35. Oh my God, 100. Oh, yep. bitch, get me on this show. <laughs> Next is Blue Hydrangea or Kine. I feel like Kine would charge more. Kine is 30. Blue Hydrangea is 35. Oh, damn. Kind was a lot more than I think no one was buying. And she right, she was price. like, she had a little reality check. Yeah, yeah. She's, 
she's thought highly of herself. She sure did. All right, next we have Cynthia Lee Fontaine or Charlie Hydes. Oh, oh, I mean, I'm going off of relevance, and I feel like oh, I don't know, but Cynthia's so nice. I'm gonna say Cynthia. Lee Cynthia Fontaine. is 45. Charlie is 30. There you go. Next up is Vivacious or Stacy Lane Matthews. Oh, that's tricky. Um, Stacy Lane. Stacy Lane is 60. Mother is only 30. Okay. All right, next up, Latrice Royale or Manila Luzon. Oh shit. Wow. And they're like best friends. Um, I I'm gonna say, oh, that's tricky. I'm gonna say Latrice. Latrice is 125. Manila is 85. Go, to, go on, Latrice. 125, <laughs> right? bitch. Ugh. All right, next Girl. we have Jackie Cox or Nikki Doll. Oh wow. Um, I'm gonna have to say Nikki. Nikki is 65, Jackie is 49. Mm-hmm. Next is Dusty Ray Bottoms or Alexis Michelle. Alexis Michelle. Yep, Alexis is 45, Dusty is 25. Yes. Next is Jan or Rose. Oh shit. Wow. Okay. The Steph- two thirds of Stephanie's child. Um wow, that's tricky. Um, I I'm gonna say Jan. Jan is 45, Rosé is 40. Yes! And finally, how much can you get a cameo from Izzy Uncut for? <laughs> I gotta guess this. Oh yep. my god. Um, um, okay, Izzy Uncut. I'm gonna say, I, wow, girl, that's like a sis. I don't even know, though. I'm gonna say she's probably like 35. She's 20 bucks. Ah, damn it! Damn it. 20 bucks, you can get an Izzy uncut cameo. I'm sure you bought one already, right? Uh, for her to talk to me. Exactly. Already and tell me, like, you're doing great, sis. <laughs> and that was the cameo game show. Oh, my God. So I kind of, like, did pretty well. You did pretty well. Pretty well. What's, what's fun is I'll keep doing these, like, with every interview, and they, the prices change every single time I go on cameo. So, <laughs> so you're like... Update, so like e- even if someone knows they're coming on the podcast and they're going to play the game, they can't keep up because the, ch- the price has changed. So the change. Yep. See, that's and that's a good game to do because it always keeps them on their toes. Yeah. They won't. And you know what? I'm giving promotion to drag artists for their their. their there you work. go. Y'all, if you're listening, book a cameo from any of these queens. If you have one hundred and twenty five dollars, you can get the one, the only, the chunky yet funky Latrice Royale. honey. It's true. And there are a lot of New York City girls on cameo right now. So I may have to adjust <laughs> yeah. my. Um, intro to this game where I say you can book a celebrity because some of these girls aren't celebrities yet. They're celebrities in my eyes. Some are celebrities in their neighborhood. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Why is drag so important to the community? Uh, First and foremost, drag is an amazing platform to, one, get people to shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. Um, It's important because we serve as entertainment which helps people mentally just kind of escape from the struggles and the and the troubles that they're going through for the hour to two of the show two we have a platform where we can use whatever our views are to share them with others and and help others out in some capacity whether it's bringing awareness to mental health whether it's bringing awareness to political situations voting equality for others Um, drag is also important financially because it helps a lot of venues on slow days bring more service you know like we you know that's one thing is a 
the job of a drag queen, if you're a nightlife drag queen and you're doing bars and gigs and stuff, is to bring sales to that venue so they can stay right. open. So you not only are a performer, but you're also a business person that is trying to bring revenue to this place on a night that would probably be super slow. So we have there's multiple reasons why drag is important. Um, and it's and that's why it's always been a staple in the gay community. You know, no matter where you go, it's just we offer we're taboo, we're warriors, we're rebels. And at the same time, we're like headliners and grand marshals of marches and, and you know, like and, and just front runners and and leaders in our community to bring about change that we need in whatever. Absolutely. This is a tough question, but I'm, 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 I'm excited to hear your response on it. OK. Why is there so much jelly, jealousy and clickiness within the New York nightlife? <laughs> OK, let's unpack this. Um, Okay, if there is jealousy, I think, okay, one thing is jealousy comes, in my opinion, comes from insecurities. So Mm -hmm. if there is jealousy from other people, it's because you have insecurities in yourself, in in your ability as a drag queen, or whatever you are in nightlife, and then you're comparing yourself to others, which is what happens a lot in New York City, because there's so many of us, it's really hard to not compare yourself to the queen next to you, to your drag sister, to a queen that has more gigs in your eyes than you do or that seems to be doing more, which I was trapped in that mindset in the beginning of of this pandemic. Um, There's a lot of clickiness because, you know, our community was, is is a um, chosen family, you know, and and within that being gay and being queer, like we, like, you know, like we always say, like you get to choose your family when you're in this community. And that even goes to like a sub level of it. Like within your community, you can choose your tribe, right? you know, and it can be clicky because, you know, if you, like, for instance, me and Hibiscus, we're together a lot. But one, we're drag sisters. We have the same drag mom. Two, we've been in Chin York together. We've done a lot of things together right. that has bonded us. So we look out for each other, you know, and it might seem clicky. But at the same time, it's like, I look out for her just as much as she looks out for me. And I love performing with her. And that's why I enjoy being with her as much as possible. I don't deny anyone else coming into my circle or me working with them. It's just... If, if I have to go to a girl and be like, oh, I need to work, I need someone to work with, or can someone come in and be my guest, it would be her, Absolutely. you know? Um, so I think it can be clicky because it's just friends that are close to each other and just looking out for each other, um, which I think is why a lot of queens sometimes feel like it's really hard for them to step into New York City nightlife or get like a foot in the door or make a name for themselves because they feel blocked off from certain neighborhoods or communities sure. in nightlife you know um so yeah that's it but if you're jealous girl like honestly it's insecurities you know like and you kind of need to take that jealousy instead of allowing it to manifest and being a bitter bitch no sorry no tea no shade kind of have a moment to check in with yourself and be like why am i so jealous of this person and then think about what you can do to be better in whatever craft and really stay away from comparing yourself to others Cause you're never, I'm never going to be hibiscus. I'm never right. going to be another queen. You know what I mean? Like, so why am I wasting the energy trying to emulate them or be jealous of them when I can just be the best form of Anita? Absolutely. Now, what would you say to a young queen coming into New York drag about oh. the necessity of a drag family? Is it necess- Is it necessary? Is it required? Or can, is it possible to make it through New York without a drag family? Um, I think that, wow, that's like a tricky question. Um, 
I think if you're a well independent, confident and person that has networks already before coming into drag, maybe a drag family isn't really necessary. I think if you're someone that's new to New York City, to the scene, to nightlife in general, I think a drag family is necessary. Doesn't necessarily mean you need to have a drag mom, but maybe mm. like some drag sisters or some aunties. It definitely helps you have a sense of stability and people that know, have experience in the field to kind of tutor and mentor you and, and help you. The second thing is it helps you get opportunities, you know, like right. you might be able to do a show as their guest at a place and then you can show who you are and then get booked somewhere else. Um, so if you're someone new in the drag scene, having that sense of family is really important because it does give you that support that you need until you're able to stand on your own. I mean, it realistically, it's like any baby in, in humans and animals and everything you have, there's not a lot of species that literally the parents leave them and I'm like, bye bitch. Right. Besides like turtles <laughs> who drop their eggs off and then they let their turtles try to wobble over to the ocean, hoping <laughs> they don't get eaten. But other than that, you know, most, most, most um, people and, and just species, they have some type of family member there to kind of mentor and guide them. And mm -hmm. then you just let them go on their own and, and, and blossom and stuff. So there is a necessity in it that I think most people uh, would need in terms of having a family. Doesn't necessarily need to be a mom, but some type of family uh, circle to help you nice. out. Nice. Where do you see the state of drag in five years? Um, I see a lot more, I definitely see a shift in live and virtual. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely see in five years that there's still gonna be some virtual things going on um, and kind of an increase in technology or like equipment that people are able to turn their houses or apartments or rooms into places that they can perform fully. Mm -hmm. um, what I would really love to see, no tea, no shade, is in five years, if some type of union or something happens for drag queens or a committee. Um, I would love to see that because like I said, we've learned a I, lot. I've explored it. I've looked into trying to make it happen. And I, every single time I, I go into thinking it could work, I always find this roadblock where if a bar doesn't want to unionize, they're not going to, and they're going to get the Queens for nothing. And I just yeah. can't, I can't find the positive in making it work, but I agree. I think we need it. it it's necessary, but it's not the same as like actors. No. It's yeah, just, it's, it's really hard. It's so hard. So, I mean, if there was, even if it was just like a committee that works with, like, I wouldn't even say union so much, but just a committee that works on the concerns of drag queens or whatever, or holding places accountable, like yeah. for, for not diversifying their casts or whatever the case is, that would be great to see. And I definitely see in five more years, a lot more queens of colors, of color uh, headlining and performing all over New York City. That's what I see for sure. With the bars reopening the way they have, have you noticed any changes when it comes to casting? Um, I've noticed that there is an emphasis on making sure that there is an inclusion of queens of all different backgrounds, for sure. Um, I've noticed that there has been a focus too on creating shows or creating events where queens of color and not necessarily having to be black queens, but Latino queens, Asian queens, uh, Middle Eastern queens are, are being booked mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, which is great because now there is relevance, not relevance, um, that's the wrong word. Now there is focus on a community that has been, um, that has had a hard time really making a name for themselves in New York City and all over. Um, but yeah, I, I've definitely seen, I, I don't know if I've seen every place really execute booking queens of color because it's one thing to say it it's another right. thing to do it right um but I, I know that it gets a little tricky because there also becomes i know a lot of venues like ink like for myself fresco's cantina before brian is hiring any other queen that he hasn't had before he's looking out for the girls that used to work there like myself sure. so we're the first ones to get booked granted we are queens of color and that is one of his focus too is just giving queens of color and queens that are local the chance of a form. So I know that other venues are kind of in that same boat too, where they're trying to look out for the girls that were there right. before the lockdown, before they start booking other people and before they start changing things up and then allowing other Queens in. So that's why if a place still seems like quote unquote whitewashed, it's, it could be because that venue is trying to look out for the girls that were there and had shows originally right. before they start changing things up. But that's when it gets uncomfortable and kind of weird is that you do need to kind of change things up. And if you're not a queen of color, you also need to take a step back and kind of look at, we don't have anyone black up in here. We don't have anyone Latino or Hispanic, or we don't have anyone Asian in in this venue at all. Okay, maybe I need to take my white ass and take a step back and allow opportunities for people, you know, queens of color, you know, like that's right. But it gets tricky because that deals with someone's money. So (laughs) absolutely. Well, we're going to play everyone's favorite game. It's time for tea time. We're uh, going to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, friends, pals, enemies, people you shared a poster with, people you shared a stage with. We'll see. Are you ready? Oh, my God. This is a setup. No, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. We're going to start with Mother Dearest and Dora. Okay. Um, do I just spill the tea on her and just Whatever you want to share. Whatever you want to talk about. Okay, Andorra is the former reigning uh, Miss Gay America 2019. Um, So she's a symbol of excellence. And um, the tea about her is that both her daughters are, she's white as hell. (laughs) She knows she is. Um, Both her daughters are are queens of color and she is not a dancing queen. She will do a one-two step and a stunt and she will give you 10 costume changes in one number, but she can dance to save her life. And I think that's why she made us her daughters because we have rhythm (laughs) have you tried to teach her um we you know before we were doing drag we were backup dancing with her for Mm -hmm. miss gay new york uh 2019 i think it was um so we all worked together in choreographing numbers and we had moments where we were like okay let's make this a little bit simpler (laughs) (laughs) oh no so she listen she can hold her own she's a great entertainer she she can if you tell her step one two to the right step three four to the left she'll do it but if you say step one and two twirl she's like "Mm, mm -mm." nope mm -mm. no no, i'm gonna look gorgeous i'm not doing that (laughs) (laughs) all right next up is madeline hatter oh god okay that bitch um i love madeline because she is unapologetically herself. And I know that for a lot of queens and people that meet her, she can come off as a bitch and an asshole. And she is, and I've said it to her and she knows, but but that's what also makes Madeline Madeline is that she's her. But I think also too, uh, the misconception and the tea about it is that sometimes she is that way to people 
because she no longer has the time or energy for the bullshit. You right. know, like we, she was doing Roadhouse at Macri Park. And I remember I, this is after I was doing an open call with her at the Ritz competing. Mm-hmm. And that was her show. Um, and I remember I was like her guest at Roadhouse with her, her drag family, her daughters. And this other queen came there and she's like, hey, Madeline, because Madeline was like, if you want to do a number here, just show up, like hit me up and then you can do a number. She made her space open for queens right. to perform money, which is great. A lot of queens don't do that. Um, and I remember I was there and this queen comes up and she's like, hey, Madeline, she was like, I was wondering if I can do a number. And she's like, yeah, great. So where's your USB? Or did you email me the number? She's like, no, I have my phone. She's like, nope, you're not doing it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but you know, like it, it came off of like bitchy, but it was also like, she don't it's got business. The time. She, she told you if you wanted to do the number, bring a USB or email me the number. You brought your phone. She doesn't have time to switch the cords to, to play off the phone. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I understood where she was coming from. Her delivery was, was aggressive, but it's also like for the younger queen, you know, I bet you now she'll never show up with her phone. It's true. <laughs> Trying to do a number, you know, like, so I, I love Madeline and I just love that she is authentically herself and she got a new body now. So I know this bitch is going to be naked in almost all of her <laughs> outfits. <laughs> all right. Next up is Britta Filter. Oh my God. Brit, Brit. Um, I think uh, this is, I guess this is tea time. So I think her season really didn't portray her in the best light. Mm-hmm, um, I agree. On, on season 12. I think she's an amazing performer. I think I really applaud her being so transparent with everything from from addiction to nightlife to the struggles to depression to dealing with the the fucking fandom attacks that she's been dealing with and the death threats. Um, I love that she's been so, so, so transparent with that because I think a lot of people can connect to her and see that it's not all glitz and glams, even on Drag Race. Um, she She's in New York City and will always be a New York City staple in my eyes. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing is her being on the season of Drag Race kind of was also a little bit of a reality check in terms of like New York City has always hyped her up because she is a great performer and a great host, mm-hmm. you know, and she's done many great productions and numbers at big events, glam awards. She's won Entertainer of the Year for a reason. You know, she's been booked and blessed and busy. But sometimes when you're always getting, um, when you're always accomplishing and you're getting the hype from New York city and you're always like kind of gassed up, like you're the best, you're the best of NYC. Like it's when you go to a competition, that's like a national where you have other people from other cities that might be going through the same thing. Sometimes it can become a reality check when what your perception of yourself is, is not received the same way from judges or others, you know? And I think that's what happened on the season of it was that because that's why she kept mentioning New York City because she is one of the best queens in New York City and then she gets on the show and she's not the best queen of RuPaul's Drag Race you know what I mean absolutely but I love you Britta girl keep on filtering these hoes okay next we have Miss Spunk herself Holly Day oh my god I call her my auntie because she said she'll never have kids (laughs) I love Holly Day to the fullest. I mean, I always say that I attribute a large majority of my sex, my sex, <laughs> my <laughs> success in New York City to her because, okay, I, I attribute a lot of my success 
in New York City to her because she's booked me and has given me like monthly gigs. Sure. Like I've gotten them because of her. You know, I got into Spunk because of her. I got into, she had me as a cast member of Queen a few times. Um, I got into doing Wasted Wednesday as her monthly guest on Wednesdays. She's gotten me into Feathers in New Jersey. I've done private corporate like events with her. So she's really helped me out tremendously. Um, and I think if I didn't work with her or have her as like a guiding figure in my life and my drag life, I wouldn't be as successful as I am today or maybe as quickly as I am within mm -hmm. the four years. Um, she's amazing. But one thing I will tell you for anyone that ever works for, with Holiday, if it's your first time, baby, if you are not responsible, professional, and have your shit together, you she will never book you again. Okay? There you go. That's that the is, advice. I, she will, she is, when I tell you this bitch is anal retentive in terms of time and at her shows and running her gigs. We did, we did a, we did um the Ritz for her show on Friday. And then she got booked for Feathers after because outside in New Jersey, they can still do, they can still have dining till right. 2 a.m. She's like, our show wasn't until, the show wasn't until 1130. Ritz ends at 10. It's a 25 minute drive from the Ritz to Feathers. This bitch was freaking out at 10.05 that we were not in the car yet. And I was like, and then we get there. It's a it's 10.30. We have a whole hour before the show even starts. And she's like, we're late. That, you know what I mean? I was mm -hmm. like, uh, but you know what? Because she's that, like, like, she's so professional and that way makes sense why she's always booked. Absolutely. Why she keeps all her gigs, why she's been doing drag for 14 years and she's all over New York City and, and even outside of New York City. And she goes to Key West too, you know, because she's professional. So if you're going to be a queen that works with Holly, baby, be on time or be early, especially if it's your first time working with her. Because if you are not on time, she will most likely never hire you again. <laughs> there you go. All right. Next up, someone who I don't think is always on time, Christy Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said it. You said it, and I can't disagree. You said it. Listen, um, there have been many times I've been at Polish the Queen, and I'm like, "When is this show going to start?" And they're like, "Christy's not here yet." I was like, "Got it." Um, you know, who you listen? You said it. <laughs> that that is some Christy. You know, she may not be on time, but I'll tell you, she is a goddamn good performer. Yeah. Um, me and her have we've known each other even before I was doing drag she's she's grown up in the ballroom scene as well we're both a part of the same ball like house the house of soldier so um we have connections outside of drag and within the Vogue community um she I mean she's an amazing performer she's a funny ass host she gets turnt sometimes you know she has a good time she she loves a little sip and twirl and, and be a little drunk <laughs> but you know listen that's that's sometimes nightlife girl um but I will say you'll never have a dull moment with her. Um, and she's, she's just stupid sometimes. I love her. <laughs> she, 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 again, she may not be on time, but she'll give you a show when she gets there. It's true. All right. Next we have Janelle number five. <gasps> okay. Um, so true tea is I just started working with Janelle during this pandemic, which has been a blessing. Um, and surprising because I didn't think... I mean, no tea, no shade. And if she hears this, I'm sorry, girl. But I didn't know about her that much besides maybe if like I seen Dahlia Sin or Candy Muse post because she's in the dollhouse. I would see her and I'm like, oh, she's fucking stunning. But I didn't know about her 
really that much because we never worked together before COVID. Right. And she's a Brook, she lives in Brooklyn. So she had gigs in Brooklyn and stuff and like Drew Dollarville. And I wasn't really ever performing in Brooklyn. So the, the pandemic brought us together for doing brunch at Tarlucci Divino. And I, this is the tea. When I found out I was working with Dahlia Sin and Janelle number five, I was nervous because they have a really good resting bitch face. Um, mm. No tea, no shade. And I was like, they're really gorgeous. And I barely look like a woman from time to time when I do my makeup. So I was afraid. And they're, they're like in the same house of dolls together. They've been friends. So I was nervous that like, I was going to be that outcast kind of like, you can't fuck with us. Like you can't sit with us mean girls vibe from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've told, I've said that to them too. Um, but realistically, but if you get behind the resting bitch face, Janelle number five is one of the sweetest people I have ever worked with in uh in this drag community and she is she's professional too she i've since i've worked with her and it's been like several times she's never gotten she's never been sloppy she's never been like wasted she'll drink at her shows but she's never been wasted she's never been a hottest mess you know she's really professional she takes care of her own she looks good doing it and she has her shit together and i enjoy working with her um but i did think she was gonna be a mean girl to me when i first worked with her (laughs) There you go. Okay. All right. Well, next up is the newly adopted Essence. Oh my God, I love DC. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Essence is a slut with a good lace front. That's what I say. Um, When Hibiscus told me, it's funny because I knew Hibiscus, um, I knew when Hibiscus made Essence her daughter, but she had spoken to me before that, maybe a month or two before. And she was like, if I ever have a daughter, it could be Essence. And I'm like, oh, shit. And she's like, because Essence performs like a slut, but she looks good and she's sexy. And I love, I just love everything about her. And I just like, that's what I want in my family. And I was like, okay. So when she debuted that they were, that, you know, Essence is her drag daughter. I was just like so excited because I've worked with her a few times. And Essence is a good time. And she, she performs. I just, she's so, she's sexual, but it's not like, sleazy it's just mm-hmm. like it's sexy like and she does her her own hair like she dyes them it's human hair she styles them she ventilates the lace and everything i'm just like and she's so talented so in my eyes she's kind of like an underrated queen in new york city um i know she performs a lot in queens where she lives um but i really wish she could i well before covid that she could really get in like in manhattan and other bars or especially like hell's kitchen because yeah. she is such a good performer. It's insane. But she's definitely like a slut with a good lace front. That's true. I well, love you, Nisi. As some would say, hashtag justice for essence. Hashtag justice for essence. Exactly. I'm still traumatized by it. I just want everyone to know. It's still, every time I hear it, I, I am still traumatized. <sighs> just putting on the record, I voted for <laughs> essence to stay. I was okay. that vote. Just reminding everyone. Yeah. Oh, God. All right, uh, next up is Susia. Okay, here we go. Um, Susia. Woo! Uh, this is this whole goddamn podcast is a setup. No, okay, Susie and I, we have uh, we have some good history, which I love. Uh, we both are Pace alumni. I feel like Pace, mm-hmm. if they don't bring out corporate successful people, they bring they just spit out drag queens because me. True. And Adriana, Susia, Flower Tortilla, um, I think Michelle Shocked. Else. Yeah, we're all from Pace. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's disgusting. Um, so me and Susia are Pace alum. She is one of the first queens. She's one of the queens that gave me like 
one of my first uh, drag gigs in terms of like being a guest somewhere monthly um, when she was at Vodka Soda Bottoms Up. Um, I enjoy working with her. I know, and this is the tea that I know not everyone does enjoy working with her. And I know that there is some drama around her from time to time and people haven't had the best experience, but I can't speak for others because I was not there nor experienced those dramas. So that is other people's opinions. My opinion on Susia is that I have had a great time working with her anytime that I've worked with her. Um, she also is someone that has done shows to give back to the community. Like I think not this, uh, two Christmas, like two holiday seasons ago when we were not in COVID, she did kind of like a coat drive, like holiday right. fundraiser at mm -hmm. Boxes Washington Heights. And I was uh, lucky and honored enough to be one of the guest performers to raise money for a great cause. Um, I think it was for Toys for Tots actually, not mm -hmm. like a coat drive. Um, so she is someone that does give back to the community, um, you know, and she has her drag family too. She's a mother. So her, her vagina has been used. <laughs> <laughs> and needs some rejuvenation because she you got too many kids girl you got too many kids um but she has her family and i know that she looks out for her family the best that she can and i've enjoyed every time that i've gotten to work with susia all right well next up is that bitch misty mountains i, I love okay you know what's funny true tea is misty mountains before COVID was like the brunch queen because mm -hmm. she was always at uh, la poperia once the ritzy bits kind of switched over to i think haswell and then she was doing, and then she she also works at um, Stonewall as a bartender or a server, but in her drag. I love Misty. I She's such a genuinely nice queen and just great energy. I also, and I don't try to get in everyone's business, but I've never heard anything negative from anyone else about her. Nope. And I've never heard any drama from anyone else about her. And nope. I think that's a great show of character on you if there is really nothing negative that anyone has to say about you so i enjoy working with missy she booked me at her her brunch i was there like every second i think um sunday of the month at her brunch at uh, la poperia and it's fun to, the tea about it is that she was like the brunch queen before COVID, and then once COVID hit and then we started to open back up for indoor and outdoor dining I ended up becoming like the brunch queen because i was at tarlucci on saturday and i was at frescoes on sunday mm -hmm. and after becoming like a brunch queen, I have grown so much more respect for Misty because waking up at nine in the morning to put I'm on sorry. a face that still your beard will still show because it's daylight and mm -hmm. try to do a brunch and then do it again the next day is that's hard. That yeah. Is, so Misty has my full respect and I, she is ugh, she is such a genuine, genuinely nice queen. I love her. Yeah, me too. Next up. Also, she's. Also, she's the only bitch, real quick, she's the only bitch that I know that could wear Tim's while working at Stonewall and still look like a woman. It's so true. I, I really want her to get those uh, Timberland heels. Mm -hmm. she, she needs, needs them. them. She needs them. All right, next up, Vicky DeVille. Oh, I love Vicky. Okay, so Vicky DeVille is a AFAB queen, as they call it nowadays. They no longer say bio queen, and I get it respect. Um, Vicky DeVille has a lot of respect from me as a drag queen because a lot of times what I find with AFAB queens is that sometimes because they're biologically women doing drag that they kind of forget the essence of drag which is to be extra and dramatic. And it, there's like something missing either when they perform or when they put on a look or even their makeup. Because sometimes in their head they're like, oh, I already have tits and I already have ass and I already have hips. Like I don't need to pat, I don't need to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I see some AFAB queens, not all perform, there is like some essence is missing, you right. know? 
Um, but with Vicky, I love her because she puts in that work just as much as like a cis man doing, a cis male doing drag does. You know, she does completely different makeup that is dragged out. You know, the, the mm-hmm. crazy, she blocks her eyebrows. She puts on a new eyebrow. She does crazy colors. You know, she, she even wears wigs, even though she has her naturally long hair. She styles her wigs. She has costumes that are extravagant or crazy. You know, she makes her costumes too as well. And, you know, sometimes she'll even pad a little bit here and there. And yeah. she'll still wear her fishnets and her, you know. So she she gets done up like another drag queen, like a, a cis male drag queen would do. And that's why I respect it because she puts in the work that I myself put in to try to be a woman. Yeah. You know, or to try to portray that female in you know impersonation um and so i enjoy her and i you know i think that's why she won what was, what was it from the glam awards she won scene um, queen scene queen because she, she's everywhere and even if she's not in drag she's everywhere and she's supporting other queens like she puts in all that work and i like that because if you're going to come into an uh, industry that i would say unfortunately but fortunately or understandably is dominated by cis males mm-hmm. first in drag you you it's like straight women coming to a gay bar you come into the bar respect the space that you're in right and respect the community that's there and vicky deville comes into the to the drag community with respect understanding and putting in the work needed to be in this community and that's why i appreciate her she's wonderful very talented Mm -hmm. speaking of talent we mentioned her cameo before izzy uncut girl I thought I was a, a trick stunt queen. And then this gymnastics bitch did like a backhand spring the first time I saw her. And I was like, well, fuck my drag. Um, <laughs> I love me some Izzy. I've had her at like a brunch before as my guest. We've worked together. We've um, worked together. I think at Pieces before we worked together, me, Hibiscus and her worked together when at Hibiscus show. Izzy's a good time. Izzy's a great performer. She's entertaining. Her mixes are hilarious. I love her swallowing mix. If y'all don't know mm-hmm. what that mix is, go go see her at a show or virtual or something and just request the song and you'll hear it. It's hilarious. Um, and she's really made a great name for herself. I, me, her, and Hibiscus are kind of like in the same, I would say, generation of drag. Mm-hmm. Like we've been doing around the same amount of time. And it's been amazing to see her flourish in New York City even before COVID and continue to do so. Um, and she's pushing herself in different ways like with her makeup and looks and stuff. Um, so I'm excited for her. I feel like she's like going to just continue to climb, you know, in, in this industry. And I think the world will know who she is eventually, but like soon, you know, like if you know what I'm saying, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like she has that potential to, to have the world know who she is, but she's great. And yeah. I'm here for all the backhand springs. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, we're going to raise a toast to Lola Michelle Kiki. Oh my God, Lola Michelle Kiki, my my fellow alcoholic sister. I <laughs> love her. You know, Lola is the person that will say what she needs to say and doesn't care and doesn't apologize for it. She is honest and blunt, and sometimes you need a friend like that. Um, she is a hardworking queen. I will say that much. She is a very hardworking queen. Um, you know, and she's not afraid to get get dirty and get into the grind of things. Like when that situation with the queen coming at me and Hibiscus about our show happened. She was like the first one to be like, boo, 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 boo. no, bitch, what you're not going to do, you know, like, yeah. So I will say that if you have Lola Michelle as a friend, she is a friend. Okay. She mm-hmm. is a writer that friend. She's that friend that will like punch, punch first and then ask questions later because they're attacking their friends. Like <laughs> she's that, that's the bitch over there. Um, and yeah, she's, she's great. Um, 
you know, and I know that being that person that is outspoken and loud and like in your face sometimes can be problematic for people. But again, like I said, sometimes you need a friend that's just going to be honest and be like, no, bitch, you a mess. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to have someone on your side like that. Mm-hmm. So I love you, sis. <laughs> Next up is someone who I was probably most excited to see get nominated for a Glam Award, Katrina Lovelace. Oh, okay. I know I said Essence is one of, I feel like it's an underrated queen. Um, I have to say the same thing about Katrina. Um, if you've never worked with Katrina before you're missing out. Um, Katrina is also similar to Lola Michelle Kiki. I mean, they're both drag sisters. They have the same drag mom, mm-hmm. but she's the same way too. Like she'll say what she needs to say. And, and now she's kind of learned to like, just speak up and speak out. And she is coming into her own and confidence in herself. Um, but she'll just say it in a, a more maybe classier way than Lola will say it. Like Lola gonna be like, bitch, your makeup is busted. And then Katrina will be like, hey girl, like maybe you should glue your lashes a little bit closer to your, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like she'll just say it in a way that's a little nicer. But, you know, she she jokes about it all the time. She's a bigger queen. Um, and a lot of people have misconceptions or judgments on bigger queens that they're not going to do much. And this bitch, if not she the same as me, is she turns it the hell out. She gives you stunts, performances. I love when she does Kill the Lights by Alex Newell. That's my favorite number from mm-hmm. her. She makes now she's been making all of her own costumes and they look amazing. She's made a few costumes for me that I am obsessed with. So she is a well, no pun intended, but she is a well-rounded queen. <laughs> um, she has a sense of humor. She's she's an amazing package. And um, I know that she has her own struggles trying to make a name for herself in this industry because either one, she's Latina and sometimes they're not looking for that, or two, like she's a bigger queen or whatever cases. So people already have this assumption of her and they're completely wrong. Um, but she's in my eyes, one of the underrated Queens. And I'm so happy to see that she's nominated for a glam. Me too. She freaking deserves every bit of it. And I hope, bitch, I hope she wins. Cause this will just only be like the beginning for her. You know? Yeah. We'll, we'll find out soon. We will. Well, last, but certainly not least, let's see if there's any tea on Miss Hibiscus. My sis, I can't betray her. Okay, here's a tea about hibiscus. Okay, bitch. <laughs> uh, listen, so hibiscus is a sweetheart, but I always say, like I said earlier, hibiscus is like a Venus by trapper. She's real pretty, but that bitch will bite you, okay, if you get too close. Um, and the reason I say that is because hibiscus is great. She She's professional. She's on time. She barely drinks at any of her gigs or events. Um, she gives you a fucking show. She gives you looks. She gives you fashion. She gives you stunts, shenanigans. Uh, she's just amazing. Um, but she, like, if you piss her off, she is a feisty mm-hmm. little Asian woman that I am like, ooh. Like, sometimes when she's gone off a rant on, like, queens or people or, or if someone tries to come for her, she might not say nothing at, at, in the moment to that person. But when we get back, like, to my house or something or we're changing, she's like, this mother. And she will go off. And I'm like, ooh, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, that that's the tea. Like, people think because she's short and small, like she ain't got a mouth. That bitch got a mouth. She just might not say it right then and there because she's professional and she knows there's a time and place for everything. But when she opens that mouth, honey, and she has to address you, ooh, bitch. And there are, <laughs> and you want to know the true tea too? There are some queens that we have found out or know that uh, uh, don't fancy hibiscus. Um, and oh, uh, I, you know, I, I just. How, how's that possible? 
a bitch. I don't know. I, I think they're either delusional or blind. Or maybe, like we said before, there's that it, that issue of jealousy and mm-hmm. insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I am thrilled for this year because uh, if, if it happens or, or if something comes out or comments are made, um, you know, I think Hibiscus is going to step up and, and speak out. And, you know, I give it to her. She deserves it. She's put in the work. She's missed Stonewall 2018 for a reason. You know, she's she's known as the cover girl because she can cover anyone's gig. Yeah. And like within an hour's time, she'll be there. Um, and so she has a lot of credentials. She puts in the work. She's an amazing performer. She's professional. Um, and that's why I think she's a great name in New York City. And she, she, you know if someone doesn't like her or has an issue with her like that's their issue true. <laughs> you know that On is them. their issue but i i love my sis um i will say the other t too is um out of both of us i say she brings the fashion i bring the personality and then we bring the stunts together because on the mic she's cute and good but i feel like i'm better so i said it first hibiscus that's right bitch but she definitely looks better than me <laughs> right there you have it okay so let's say you get the phone call who oh. would you pick to do on Snatch Game? Oh, my God. Okay, so if I got the phone call, I, you know, I, I love doing an accent. So mm-hmm. I, my, my choice would be either Emma Watson as Hermione Granger. Okay. Or Paula Dean. Because I right. love the Southern accent. All right. Those are fun options. We've not seen Paula Dean, and you can go crazy with that. Uh-huh. I can make her no longer racist and have fun with her. And okay, yep. just go out there with a pot and some some fat back and just start cooking while I'm in the snatch game, bitch. And just just eat a stick of butter. Oh, absolutely. I'd be like, baby, this is this is amazing right here. Just gonna let this marinate in my throat real quick. And I do not know the answer, so I'm just gonna skip it. Next. There you go. <laughs> Rue, I hope you're listening. Okay. <laughs> what are some of your current jams? What music should the listeners be listening to? Um, okay, I am in love with Sam Smith's whole new album. Okay. Um, I think if you haven't had a chance, really listen to the whole album. He gives you variety, but I, I love his music. I also am into, this is so funny, but um, Over the Moon is a, a Netflix original movie. Mm-hmm. It's like the Asian version of Coco, I always say. Yeah. And the song Ultra Luminary is on there and I am obsessed with the song. So if you haven't seen the movie, you don't have to necessarily, but you can. It's a really good movie. But the song Ultra Luminary is so good. It's like such a drag song. Starts off slow, gets all dancey and then has moments of like intimate like uh, it's uh, yeah, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've uh, someone showed me the music video for the, the song, and I was like, okay, this this is exciting. Mm-hmm. It's Disney's like got some like, com- competition. Okay, it's like they took drag and put it in like thirty thirty two, like year yeah. thirty thirty two. I was like, okay, I'm here for it. Yeah, because I remember um, watching yeah. the video. I was like, okay, which queen's gonna be getting that costume? I know, I know, no tea. Like, no, I really did. I was like, I saw the costume. I was like, ooh, bitch, who can I get to make this <laughs> right now? So yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, those are the, the two that I've really been listening. Oh, and then also another one, um, Blair St. Clair's new album is okay. like, uh, I, I think she's an amazing singer. Her new album is so good, in my opinion. So if you haven't got a chance, really listen to it. I almost e- literally every song I love. Yeah, love. It, it, it's a lot of fun dance pop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's good. Okay, if you had to pick one New York City drag queen to be your partner on The Amazing Race... Who would it be? Oh my God. Um, 
I would have to say it would be, um, I would definitely, mm, this is hard. I would definitely be, I, I would probably pick hibiscus because right. one, she's athletic and we're both on cheer so we can do stunts together. So if I need to lift this bitch over a wall, I can throw her ass. <laughs> um okay she's asian so i know that bitch knows taijutsu or something and she's from hawaii so she can honolulu her ass over somewhere um call on maui and moana to help her out um <laughs> but i it would probably be hibiscus because she's short too so if we need to get into small spaces too on amazing race she'll know and then she's really good with navigating who so who's going to be driving stick shift definitely not me because i don't even have a license okay, okay but i will i will read google maps for her and who is jumping off of high things mm, i was gonna say me i mean i don't mind it because i feel like i'm more adventurous but she's a flyer in in on the cheer team so which she, means she's when she i get handle it yeah she's used to getting thrown and throwing herself and falling and, off the shit and, so and finally who, who's gonna be eating the weird shit uh, that would be me okay all right all right mm-hmm. for sure we're gonna move into the pop five rapid fire we're gonna i'm gonna give you five pop culture things uh headlines and you're gonna give me word phrase story whatever you want to talk about for each okay cool number one is bridgerton haven't watched so i have no opinion (laughs) all right it's if you like soap opera period pieces it's good um i'm very excited to see which queens are going to pull out some of those looks because that art direction is stunning Mm mm-hmm I um I mean I've been watching The Crown so like mm-hmm. in terms of soap opera time period stuff I've been into that but there's so many goddamn good shows that to there's watch that I'm like let me focus on one at a time. I agree. <laughs> All right, number two is Animal Crossing is top selling game of 2020 on Amazon. Um, it is a great game to play during this pandemic because uh-huh. it goes it goes by the date and the time period so it's real it's like real life kind of thing. Um, so I can understand why, because it's a great pastime for people. I have refused to get the game, okay. even though Katrina has constantly told me to get it. And some of my friends, because I will be damned if I'm on an island with animals waiting <laughs> for my flowers to bloom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be damned. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have a switch, so I have no way of playing it, but like, I don't get it. It's. I, you know, yeah, I didn't either. I saw Katrina, she kept posting about it all the time. And then I saw like my friends at my gamer friends doing it. And I was like, I'm like, they're like, let me show you my island. Okay, so I got this new house. And then the crocodile, that that's Miss Teeth. And then this is Miss Swan over here. And she's, she really doesn't like Miss Croc. And I'm like, y'all have storylines for these animals? Like, <laughs> get out of my face, bitch. You're playing like Sims, but with animals. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, but it, it is a good pastime because if you have nothing but time, That's you can true. go in there and up, update your um you can update your sorry, you can update your um like your 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 field, your flowers, you can pick things, you can go fishing. It's but I'm like, bitch, I'm trying to pay my rent. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to slap on a wig and do some type of performance before I worry about my bush, whether it's trimmed or not. <laughs> all right number three is gays over covid okay oh oh um controversial but i'm here for it no tino shade uh like we were talking about before of holding people accountable and kind of just coming for people i know that it can seem that people's jobs are at risk because they're being exposed on the Mm -hmm. instagram page but at the same time, some of the people's jobs that are at risk are jobs that other people's lives depend on it. Right. And 
sometimes depending on the career that you're in, you have, I don't want, it sounds like I'm being like elitist, but you have a duty and a responsibility, not just for yourself, but for others. So if you are a doctor, a registered nurse, an EMT worker, you know, a medical professional and no tea, no shade, you're over in Brazil or Puerto Vallarta or Miami or Atlanta or places where there's been guidelines set and you're not following them because you're at this big ass circuit party with hundreds of people with no mask on. And then you're bringing, you're coming back to whatever place of residency. And if you're also not quarantining and then going straight to work, that to me seemed a little reckless, yeah. you know? Um, and it's, it's scary because it's like, you have people in the, in, in the hospitals or whatever that rely on you to be healthy and rely on you to be the best you can be to make sure that they get better. And if you're over here like tracking over COVID <laughs> and bringing it over, even if you got vaccinated, like, you know, it, it's hard. Um, I also know on the flip side, it, there is a emotional stress for a lot of these workers. And sometimes sure. you just want to get away from all that shit. But I think you can do it in a way that is still responsible and following guidelines. Like if you go to Puerto Vallarta and you got a house with like maybe two or three close friends and you stayed there exactly, for that's three or four days and just got away, like, go ahead, get away. I'm not mad that you traveled, even though I know it's been advised not to travel. I'm not mad that you traveled. You needed to get away. But if you go to a country and then you're at a party of hundred plus people with no one wearing a mask and you're over here, like advising people to wear masks and all this stuff. And you're doing the behavior that you have advised for people not to do that yeah. to me is a little hypocritical. I think gays over COVID is kind of doing that job of showing the people that we rely on and some of the behaviors that they're doing that is not the most responsible behavior Absolutely. and i know some people are like well that's not their job to do it's not but also as human beings where this virus affects others it is our job as human beings to hold each other accountable because the fucking cdc is not going to be posting parties that are going on do you know what i mean the cd the, the who is not going to be posting a big event that's in puerto vallarta that has doctors and professionals there. They're not. So sometimes, you know, if we want to be in the know of what's going on, we need to see that some of these people are there, you know, to, to protect others and also to hold them accountable. Like you want to post about this stuff that you're at. Great. Be, be aware that what you post is open for the public to critique, to comment exactly. and to feedback on, you know, <laughs> and if you don't like it, then don't post your shit or stay your ass at home or follow guidelines. And, yeah. and when you are a name in the public and you're found out that you're there, it's going to cause drama. I mean, Shangela is going through a lot of shit right now. And mm -hmm. it's also apparently been reported today that Miss um, Vanjie and Silky Nut Meganosh were there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I just heard my friend text me like, ooh, Gabe Lovecraft coming from Miss Vanjie. And I was like, ooh. And it's true. You, if you, you if you're exactly like you said, if you're a public figure, you're public figure mm -hmm. you're open to positive stuff and you are now open to negative stuff excuse me yep. um so it's just like you have to be aware that when you're someone that has a following or is in it you have people that will that look to you as an example of Absolutely. things to do you know that why do you think celeb celebrities are posting about the georgia runoff even exactly. if they don't live in georgia like uh, ariana grande is like posting about people in Georgia, make sure you go vote, be online by seven. She don't live there, but she's posting mm -hmm. it because she knows the people that possibly live in Georgia that follow her might look at that and then be motivated to do what she's kind Absolutely. of like pushing to do. You use your platform for whatever good you can do. And having that platform comes with the risk 
of consequences of your action. You're, it's hard to be private about the things you're doing when you're a public figure. Mm. And again, like, like I said, I'm not mad of people so much traveling. I'm just like with gays over COVID, which it has shown, it's a difference between traveling to get away and like staying still indoors or social distancing or wearing your mask and following the guidelines set into the country or city that right. you're visiting, as opposed to you traveling and doing reckless shit and behavior and doing these big ass parties or having these big ass gatherings at your house that is clearly not advised and is actually like kind of told not to do during a pandemic. That to me is like, that's the difference. I'm not mad where you're going. I'm mad about what you're really doing. Absolutely. You know? So. All right. Number four. Oh, that was number Kim, three. Yeah, I know. Right. Number four is Kim Kardashian and Kanye West discuss divorce. About damn time. You know, like. How long know. can you be in a loveless marriage? Oh, listen, <laughs> you know damn well that people can be in it for their whole lives. Okay, and they just figure out ways to, to make it work. Um, I mean, this was clearly all publicity. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's I'm, I, it's two people that have way more money than I'll ever have mm -hmm. <laughs> going through life problems. But I mean, I think it's about time. I just hope for the kids that they're able to still have some type of relationship with both parents um, for whoever gets custody of them or whatever, if they have shared custody. Um, you know, I hope that that's still allowed but you know i think kanye has had some crazy moments this year yep you know even ran for president and i'm like bitch why are you why are you trying to fuck up this election right now like no yeah um so yeah it's a little crazy but i mean again about time and finally number five is drag race season 13 oh my god i am ecstatic about this season i love okay two things i thought about one, I love the, the, there's a trans man on there, yep. which I think is really going to mess with people's concept of drag and norms and what is expected because it's a biological woman who has transitioned to being a man that still does female impersonation. Yep. Um, and so kind of like an AFAB queen, but with the, yeah. Kind of, no, 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 no. It's just, nope. it's, it's a mind fuck, even for me to kind of wrap my head around it. But I love that. I love it. I hope that got me, um, does a great job on the show. I also hope that uh, she, I say she in pronouns because of her female impersonation, right. not so much as a disregard to her pronouns now as he or him. Um, but I say she, because when she's a drag, like right. as I, be a drag. I believe that's what she goes by in drag In drag. She, she. So I just hope that, uh, even though I know she's a trans man and she's the first to be on the show that 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 doesn't I hope she's judged equally and fairly and not yes. given passes that's what I want Absolutely. Um, you know I it, it, everyone needs to be judged equally on this show regardless of, of what your background is in some capacity um, so I hope she's judged fairly and I hope there's no free passes because she's the first trans person um, and I, you know, if she gets far and she ends up winning this competition, I hope it's because she actually put that work in and really slay the competition, you know? Totally. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm also excited to see how they this season goes with, because they did all of this during this pandemic and lockdown mm -hmm. and stuff. So I know there's a lot of different security measures that were happening, protocols that were done. Like one thing, if you notice, there was no celebrity guest judge this time. 
Right. So I'm curious to see if all the episodes, there's no other celebrity guest judge, which would make sense because they're just trying to limit the people. Well, that I, I, I do know that there will be. Um, I okay. think for this first episode, because it was the, the way they formatted it, that's why it was just the four of them. But mm-hmm. now that I be, what from what I've heard is there's going to be a slight rotation of celebrity guests because okay. they all had to be there. So they're going to be there multiple times. Got you, got you, got you. Okay, yeah, so I, I'm curious. I'm excited. I really, like, I'm ready for Friday because I want to see what the hell happens with the six queens that lost the lip sync because I'm just like, bitch, if one of them gets eliminated and they haven't even done a mini or maxi challenge, I'm like, damn, girl, that that would suck ass. We'll, like, we'll see. I, I have a feeling there's going to be yet another twist and we're all going to be like, are you fucking kidding me? But hey, it's Drag Race. What do you expect? <laughs> exactly, which, which you know, that's, that's Drag Race. The, every other... It's like every other season there's a new twist and you're like oh god damn it yep um yeah so i have my previous guest ask my current guest a question okay. and this is a question from pietra parker oh what's something from your own personality that you bring to your drag persona definitely my sense of humor mm-hmm. i think in and out of drag i'm the same way with sense of humor i talk like a hoe but you won't have proof of it unless i send you a nude probably um you know i i'm just goofy all the time i'm very reactive off of situations i think that's where my humor comes from it's just in the moment i'll just say stupid shit or do stupid shit and my friends are like you're dumb and i do that in drag as well um so that is definitely something that i bring to both my drag and to myself as zachary nice well now is your turn to ask my next guest a question oh my god i my question would be to the next guest um, what would be, what is the biggest challenge you face with your drag? Whether right. it's like, yeah, that was it. That's it. What would I like be it. the biggest it's challenge a, you face a, a with A good drag? question. I'm in the process of expanding block talk and I want to ask my guests who they want to hear on a future episode. Um, I definitely want to hear my sis hibiscus because I know she'll probably hear this and I talk shit about her. So yeah, I mean, she was one of my that. original guests, so I'll maybe have her back and, and we'll, bring her back. We'll see, now that I've said something, um, I'm trying to think of who else. I would love. Wait, all the queens that you mentioned before were they all on your block talk before? Nope, not all of them. Okay, did you have Holiday? I have not had Holiday. I would definitely want to hear from her. I think she has a lot of wisdom. She's been in the industry for a good amount of time. She has a lot of wisdom about the industry and herself. And I think she's a great example of a professional and booked queen. And I, I think that. if people if people heard from her, they would learn a lot about her and then also just about her drag and, and you know, why she's so booked and blessed. So Yeah, well, definitely reach out. Where can we find you on social media and Venmo? You can definitely find me on Uber Eats and Seamless, for sure. <laughs> uh, free, free delivery. No, you can find me on Instagram at Anita, I-N-I-T-A underscore D. Um, I spelled Anita incorrectly because I'm illiterate, and that's why I'm a cross-dresser. You can find <laughs> me on Facebook at Zachary, Z-A-C-C-A-R-Y. I say my Facebook um, because that's where I do my e-brunch on Facebook mm-hmm. Live. Um, I do have a TikTok, but there ain't nothing new there, so we don't need to discuss that. And I don't have a Twitter because I'm not a bird. So IG and Facebook. And then my Venmo is similar to my Instagram. It's I-N-I-T-A dash D. There's no underscore because they're homophobic and they don't like to have underscore. Yeah. 
passwords in Venmo. So INITA-D is my Venmo and then INITA underscore D is my Instagram. Amazing. Well, this was so much fun chatting with you. This was amazing. I really hope I don't get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) No, everyone will love you. This is a good one. Oh my God. This was fun. I'm so thank you for having me on here. Congrats on your nomination for the Glam Awards. I really hope you win and, and succeed and get that award. I'm I'm Fingers really crossed. truly happy. Fingers crossed. I'm truly happy to be here and uh, have done this with you finally. The biggest thanks to Anita for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.